Hi everyone and welcome to the weekly governance update here on VLGA Connect. Each week at this time we talk about the news of the week from a with a, with a governance lens with Stephen Cooper from Civic Mind. Hi Stephen. Hi Chris, how are you going? Going well, thanks. What about you? Good. Yeah, had a good week. Lots going right. on. Indeed, and there's a bit to talk about. Some of the things we're waiting to see in relation to the forthcoming elections um, have become uh, more evident to us this week. But firstly, I just want to get your, um, your take on some repeated calls this week as we go into uh, heavier lockdowns due to coronavirus for the October elections to be deferred. I know we touched about this last yeah. I touched on this last week. I think it bears uh, repeating the <laughs> likelihood of them being uh, deferred. Pretty slim, wouldn't, wouldn't you think? Well, I mean, the talk, Chris, has been the Minister has power, and certainly under the Act, the Minister has a power to defer the elections. Um, I tend to think that that's something for floods and fires and deferral for a week or two in an isolated area. Um, I would still hold the view that if the Minister were to defer for a longer period of time, there's implications that would need to be addressed in Parliament. Um, not for us to preempt what a minister wants to do, but so far the minister's direction seems pretty clear. Chris, I think the other thing is, if you were looking at what would be the triggers for an election, and certainly um, the opportunity for people to put their candidacy forward is a live issue. Um, the other really big one is, can the VEC safely conduct an election? And you know that would be a really main topic. So two things on that. We are going to have a VLGA Connect interview with the Deputy Electoral Commissioner, Liz Williams, in the next week or so to talk about the, uh, the process and the preparations. But we are also um, uh, going to be speaking with the new Minister for Local Government. So um, if there's no announcement or decision before that time, we can certainly get some insight into his thinking around the issue in another week or so. Yeah, and that'd be really interesting, Chris. I look forward to that because, look, the reality is either way, because of um, COVID-19, it's not ideal. Um, there's nothing that's perfect in this situation. It's really about how the sector and the minister can make the best of a bad lot. All right, Steve. Uh, so on the elections, the, we've been waiting to see the regulations, particularly to see how the mandatory training is going to be delivered. And we've had some light shed on that issue this week as the regulations are finally with us. Yeah, I don't know if this is a bad play on words, Chris, but imminent has become eminent. Um, because yes, we've got the election regulations and but for a couple of areas of doubt that we can talk about, I think they are eminently unremarkable. There's no great surprises. They are written in a way that you would expect regulations for postal voting to come out. So, yeah. um, there's a lot of clarity there, which is good. Uh, and there's provision in there for the mandatory training to be provided in a virtual sense. That's obviously needed uh, if the COVID-19 situation continues. Um, you've got some insight though from LGV on how they think that will be delivered that you could share with us? Yeah, I think a more formal announcement on that will be imminent as well, Chris, on that recurring theme. Um, mm. What we're hearing is that uh, the department's looking at um, development of an online uh, model of um, mandatory candidate training, which will actually offer candidates the flexibility of being able to log in at any particular time. Uh, for those who are less, um, who have less access to internet technology, there is a requirement under the Act, and the, the exact words elude me, but for the CEO to support candidates in achieving that training, and that may well be you know, the provision of um, computer equipment or the availability of computer equipment so that people can 
log in if they're otherwise un unable to. Um, and what we're also hearing is that that may well um, avoid the need for councils to conduct their own mandatory training. Which would provide some uniformity in the way that it's delivered, obviously. And it, it, it makes sense to me that if, if it's a if it's a training module like other forms of training you do, that there needs to be some sort of system of, of, of applying and being accepted with, uh, with identification, uh, <laughs> confirmed, etc. cetera. I mean, there's obviously a bit of work that needs to go into this and then some sort of certificate of completion at the end, which you could use as evidence for your nomination purposes when you go to file to be a candidate. Exactly, because as you touched on, Chris, the... Um, uh, any candidate is going to need to provide that evidence to the electoral manager when they lodge their candidacy. So um, really important that those issues, as well as the related privacy issues, are sorted before um, the release of that product. A couple of other things I want to touch on with you this week, Steve. Deliberative engagement. It's been one of our most um, watched live panel sessions. It's an oxymoron, I guess, because it was live at the time, but it's recorded now and you can watch it any time. Um, but it just supports the, uh, the view uh, that uh, councils really uh, need to grasp what's, uh, what is deliberative engagement, what does it entail? And the question I've had all along is, how would councils know whether they're complying with the intent of the Act? What are the measures going to be on deliberative engagement. So there's a co-design process happening as I understand it. That's true. Yeah, so there is a co-design going on and what are the triggers for a particular type of engagement? You know, what's the sort of engagement that warrants nothing more than, you know, a, a notice on the council newsletter or sorry, the council website and feedback compared with something that might equate a section 223 type of engagement or going further, a citizen jury type engagement. So what are the steps um, that each individual council can manage because it will yeah. be different from council to council. So Steve, what's the LGV approach to the co-design uh, of these materials? I think one thing, Chris, that the sector is now getting used to is a consistency of approach from local government, Victoria. So there will be a co-design um, event on the 16th of July. People can log into that um, as a, a, an online consultation. That material will be sifted and uh, using a group of technical experts, um, material will be posted uh, for use and development by the sector. And again, those questions that we talked about are going to be important, Chris, including the one that I'm surprised you didn't mention, uh, being sortition. Oh, forgive me. I usually don't miss an opportunity to bring sortition uh, because, you know, it's been a new word for us all and we like to, we like to show it off. Uh, but thank you for picking me up on that. Look, and I know we make a bit of a joke of it, Chris, but it's a really important topic because one of the things about, one of the opportunities in community engagement is to make sure that we are consulting with the same old group that we always consult with. So there's a, yep. there's a real opportunity for the sector here. The we talked about the mandatory candidate training, the compulsory training for councillors post the election. I think uh, LGV is looking for people with experience in this space to be contributing to the development of that work now. We touched on this last week, Chris, and LGV are still looking for either councillors who have been involved in um, that induction process following the election senior executives who've been involved in delivery or governance type people who've been involved in the development of those kind of programs 
or they might be from an area of the organisation outside of governments, maybe the planning area, but to be involved um, in developing um, the, you know, the mandatory induction model. So this is an opportunity for hardheads. Um, the department is definitely looking for volunteers. It's not a, as we said last week, it's not a development opportunity, but there is a lot of experience out there. So good opportunity to um, contribute to an important process. All right, so spread the word and be involved if you, if you think you fit the bill. One last thing, uh, Steve, uh, recently on the LGA Connect, we spoke with the Auditor General, Andrew Greaves, about the very wide-ranging sexual harassment survey that's happening in local government. It's a replication of the one that's been done more broadly in the public sector. Uh, you've been monitoring how that's going and um, sounds like the opportunities to participate will disappear soon. So get in quickly might be the message. I think there's a few things on this, Chris. So yes, the, um, and it's all on the LEGO website, the fact that there is um, a review of sexual harassment in local government going on. A really good start for anyone um, involved in the review that Vago did uh, in relation to state government, which was released in November last year. So November, 2019, I'll come back to that in a minute. Um, a survey instrument has been sent to every council um, for current council personnel, including councillors to um, comment on issues associated with sexual harassment. There is also an opportunity for um, past and present council personnel to make direct submissions to Vago. And you'll notice on the website, there's an um, Vago has committed to anonymity if people so desire. So there's no intention. In fact, it would be counterproductive to name the people making submissions. It's the issues that are more important. Steve, these cultural issues have been in the spotlight uh, recently. I'm not going to name any specific examples, but would you agree this is a real opportunity for the leadership in local government? I'm talking not just the elected leadership, but also senior managers to be promoting this opportunity to expose the issues, set the right tone from the outside? Oh, Chris, yeah, Chris, you and I make a bit of a joke about governance and that it's ticking the box and all of that sort of thing. And that's fine because we know that part of it is. But in fact, in its truest sense, good governance is about good decision making. It's about respect, you know, an absence of bullying, people being able to do their work without fear or favour. So Correct. this is absolutely... Um, a cultural question, um, and you can't address issues around, say, sexual harassment without looking at some of the top. And then the Local Government Act, for example, talks about leadership. This is about leadership. This is about what is the sort of organisation um, that is created as a consequence of the conduct um, at the top of the organisation. I touched before, Chris, on the 2019, the November 2019 sexual harassment report into the Victorian Public Service. And I think it's a really good read for anyone in the sector because I would be gobsmacked if the local government review doesn't come up with some similar findings. Yeah. Um, people reported, well, that, that report found that those most vulnerable tended to be less powerful. It reported that people tended not to make complaints because they are for their job, or they thought that behaviour that was clearly inappropriate did, wasn't serious enough to get someone into trouble or to make waves or to be the person that stood out. So there's a real finding in that particular report that goes to speak up culture, the ability of an organisation to create an environment that will speak up. Now, 
if you can sort of solve that in relation to sexual harassment, for example, you're probably a long way towards creating a culture that's less um, apt to be subject to fault. You're probably creating an environment where organisations will tend to make better decisions because they've got better information. Well said, Steve. So to finish on that note, if people do want to find out more about participating, and I'm particularly thinking about, as you point out, those people who might have left the sector but would have some relevant input into this, where do they find the information on how to participate? Pretty easy, Chris. Google the Victorian Auditor General's office, VAGO. Um, on the home page, you'll see current reports, uh, reports that have been released and reports in progress. Scroll down the reports in progress and you'll find the detail on the uh, sexual harassment in local government report. Terrific. Thanks, Steve. We'll have to leave it there. Uh, fascinating as always, the weekly governance update and we'll look forward to catching up with you again this time next week. Good, uh, good to talk, Chris. Thanks. Stephen Cooper joining us on the weekly governance update here on VLGA Connect.